Hello, if you're a Christian who is struggling with OCD, I wanted to offer some additional support this summer. On Tuesday mornings at 8 a.m. Central Time in June and July, over eight sessions, I'm going to be providing a teaching time, a learning experience where you can come learn about managing your stress level, dealing with uncertainty, catching that first obsession before it becomes a loop. Dealing with disengaging from physical, mental compulsions, scrupulosity, shame, really any questions that you want to bring to these times I'm open to talking about that have to do with your faith and OCD journey. The most exciting part is that you do not have to be in Tennessee to come. So even if you're in another state in the U.S. or somewhere else in the world and you are able to tune in at that time, you're certainly welcome to do so. For more information, go to bythewellcounseling.com. I look forward to seeing you there. Welcome to Hope for Anxiety and OCD, episode 72. I am your host, Carrie Bach, licensed professional counselor in Tennessee. I think a lot of times on this podcast, I love to create content for the younger version of Carrie. What that means is things that I wish people had told me earlier on in life or encouragement that I wish I would have received at different points. So for example, we had a previous episode called Sending Hope and Love to the Not Yet Mothers, and I did it for Mother's Day. That is episode 27 if you want to go back and listen to it. But I know how hard it is to be in the church and not be a mother or be waiting for that time in your life to come. So therefore, I created an episode about it where I had stories of hope combined together, some that had already been told on the podcast, and then I added some new ones in for people who had waited a long time to have a family, either because they were single for a long time or they had gotten married and were dealing with infertility. One of the reasons I want to do this episode on reducing anxiety about having a baby is because there's so much negative energy out there and communication about having a child. It's very interesting because at least it's this way in American culture. I know it's probably different in different cultures, but in American culture, when you tell someone that you're pregnant, of course, people usually say congratulations, we're happy for you, etc. But then the other material that you get from people is some version of some horror story surrounding their birth. Oh, with my second baby, I was in labor for 30 hours. Oh, I couldn't get the epidural. I progressed, you know, too fast, you know. Oh, I just couldn't sleep that last week of pregnancy. Whatever it is, it's almost like we have this badge of honor if you've had a negative birth story. So I wanted to put something out there just saying that I had a positive birth Just let that sink in for a moment. If nobody else has given you that message, I have had a positive birth story and you therefore can have a positive birth story too. I made the decision early on that I wanted to hire a doula 
and I wanted to try for a natural birthing process. Things did not play out the way that I had planned them to, so I'm going to tell you a little bit about my story, some things that went well, some things that didn't go the way that I planned, but still turned out okay in the end. So I've broken the how to reduce anxiety about having a baby into five points. Point number one, educate yourself on the process of birth, what to expect naturally and medically, regardless of what kind of birth you want to have. This is so crucial and important because I know many women come into the process of pregnancy going, well, you know, I'm just not going to worry about pain management because I'm just going to get an epidural. However, unfortunately, many women don't even know what that means or what that process is like and what to expect there. On the flip side, there are some women who say, I want to go all natural or I want to deliver at home. And they have certain things that they're wanting and they're very held on to that. But then they don't research the other things. So yes, maybe you want to give birth naturally, but if something might happen where you would need a epidural or a C-section, you want to be informed about those things as well. You can do this by very simple ways, just going on the hospital page, seeing if they have some type of virtual tour, classes. Educate yourself about the stages of birth and what to expect in each stage. Ask a lot of questions. That is what your OB is there for or your midwife. If you have a doula, that was one of the best things about really having a doula was I had the opportunity to ask a lot of questions. And I'll tell you just for a moment on kind of hiring a doula, what that is, who that is. We had so many people who didn't understand this. When we told them that we were having a doula, they automatically assumed that we were having a home birth, and that wasn't the case. So what is a doula? A doula is a person who supports you through the pregnancy and the birthing process. So they'll come out and they'll meet with you ahead of time. They'll talk with you about what your options are related to birth. They'll find out what you want. They'll help you make informed decisions by giving you information, but they won't make decisions for you. Obviously, that's your choice about what you want. They, If you want to give birth at home, they will meet you at your home. If you are giving birth in the hospital like I did, they will meet you at the hospital when you call them and tell them to come. Doulas are not a medical professional like a midwife. They have a lot of information and experience surrounding being with women who are giving birth, but they don't actually have medical training. So that's an important distinction to know. You will still need to have a midwife or an OB, whoever is actually going to go through that birth process with you on the medical side of things. One of the things that I went through with my doula was hypnobirthing classes, and this allows you to teach yourself self-hypnosis, how to relax and really get in a good state of hypnosis so that when you go through the birthing process, that helps you with pain management. The classes were super helpful, not just for myself, but also for Steve, because he was involved in all the classes, my husband. 
So he kind of knew what to expect in the birthing process since this was also his first time having a child and going through that with me. You want to make sure that your education surrounding birth and what to expect is positive. You don't want to get on and read horror stories of other people's birth experiences like I was talking about that people apparently love to share. For example, I was in a Facebook group for first-time mothers over the age of 35, and I ended up having to either snooze that group or get out of it. I don't remember. Maybe I stopped following it for a time period. There were just so many women in there talking about negative, painful, unexpected birth stories that I really couldn't handle all of that information. I noticed that it was churning up a lot of anxiety within me to hear these people say, oh, you know, I had this horrible labor and this was why and this is how it went. And therefore, or other people being negative surrounding natural birth, which was something that I was wanting. You will find that if you are looking to give birth naturally without an epidural, that you will face even more negativity, more criticism, more people telling you, oh no, you're not going to be able to do that. So just kind of be prepared for that. But I will tell you from personal experience, it's completely possible. One of the things that I did was I got on a site called, I think it was Mama Natural, and I read stories, positive birth stories from other people who gave birth naturally, since that was something that I was wanting to do. And I felt like that was important and critical to my process. I will say that some of the materials on the website, more her articles, were not as helpful, and they were a little bit more fear-driven in my experience of made me very afraid of certain things, and I'll talk about that a little bit later. In addition to taking the class with our hypnodoula, which was a very extensive six-week class, Steve and I also took a very short class from the hospital, more so to become aware of their procedures and their processes of doing things. This helped me know more about what my options were. So for example, I knew that the hospital I was delivering at had laboring tubs, but their policy is they will not allow you to actually give birth in those tubs. So that was important to know. I knew that if I needed to have certain medications like Pitocin that I wouldn't be able to be in the laboring tub. One of the best pieces of advice I got from the hospital class, though, was to bring my own pillows. They said the hospital pillows are terrible, thin, and plasticky, not comfortable at all. So I was glad that I brought my own pillows to the hospital for sure. So educate yourself sometimes on the medications that may be needed during the labor process, the stages of labor, how your hospital birthing center does things, or if you're having a home birth, what that is going to look like. 
for me, being a highly sensitive person, just having the opportunity to have the visual tour of the hospital to see exactly how the birthing room was laid out, exactly how the postpartum suite was laid out, that helped me tremendously. If you're giving birth at a hospital, you can talk with other people who have had experiences at that hospital. For me, I knew that mine had very high ratings year after year for people who'd given birth there. I talked to some people who had tremendous experiences, told me great things about the nurses. And so all of that really reduced my anxiety for people to be able to say, wow, that hospital is really great. The nurses are awesome. They really love what they do. That helped reduce quite a bit of my anxiety. And then just knowing the process, this is where you go if it's during regular hours. This is where you go if it's after hours. This is what floor you need to go to. All of that was super helpful for me to just kind of know what to expect. When you have anxiety, just knowing what to expect helps so much. I had some anxiety surrounding my doctor not getting there or someone from her practice not getting to the hospital and having my baby be delivered by just whoever the general on-call person was at the time. More so the anxiety about that person being male. I had, even though I've had male doctors in the past that have had positive experiences with, there was something about my birth space that I really only wanted female medical professionals in there people who had actually had the ability to give birth. That just felt most right for me. I had a lot of questions for my doctor because I had heard a story about someone that happened to from their practice. She really provided a lot of assurance to me that either she or someone else from her practice who were all females were going to be able to get there and that they very rarely had someone from the hospital deliver one of the babies. That provided me a lot more reassurance. My second piece of advice on reducing anxiety is to create a plan, but also to hold on loosely. I think it's good to create a birth plan. Some people say, don't create a birth plan because you're just going to have to throw it out the window anyway. That doesn't make sense. That's kind of like saying, don't have a blueprint for your house just because you can't put the kitchen on the left side because of where the water line is, whatever. You still want to have some kind of plan, but also know that things are not going to go exactly how you have it on your plan. So it's important to have some flexibility and to hold on to things loosely. One of my fears was that my daughter would not come and that I would need to have an induction. This was a fear because I knew that I'm older and when you're having a baby when you're older, they don't want you to necessarily always carry to 40 weeks. So I was praying and really wanted my daughter Faith to come at just the right time so that I wouldn't have to be induced. I had some serious anxiety about Pitocin. I had heard a lot of horror stories from people who had experienced inductions with Pitocin or not just inductions, but also like a, trying to speed up their labor with it. I had read a lot on the internet about the horrors of it and how, you know, it, it's overutilized in America, et cetera, et cetera. I had read a lot of information about inductions leading to C-sections, different things. Here was all this anxiety. My plan was 
to really do some early laboring at home, get to the hospital, allow things to progress naturally, not have medication, not have an epidural, be able to give birth more quickly and move on with things. I was also planning to use my hypnobirthing for pain management. Those things I just listed pretty much did not go according to plan. Because I had done a lot of research about Pitocin and inductions, even though those weren't routes that I wanted to take, I was able to actually advocate for myself when I needed an induction. I was able to talk with my doctor about the concern regarding inductions leading to C-sections. She was able to provide me some reassurance that her C-section rate was actually a lot lower than the average that I had read about online. Because I expressed to her my concerns about Pitocin increasing pain of contractions, we were able to come to an agreement to start me out on a really low dose and to gradually increase that through my birthing process. One of the things that my doula told me after that experience was that, you know, my level was started on a two, whereas she had seen other people's level just be started out on a 10. And I'm so glad that I did that research and expressed my concerns because I think it helped me have an easier labor process. I actually never got up to a 10. I only got up to an 8 before I delivered. And everyone's different in terms of what their needs are, and I don't know how that translates. I just know the number that I was seeing on the medication. But my point is that doing your research allows you to make informed choices later. And in doing that research, understand that everything you read online doesn't mean that that's how it's going to go for you in your specific situation. Same thing with experiences that you hear from other people. Just because they had that experience doesn't mean that you're going to have that experience. In the end, I'm glad that I had a birth plan, even though I changed it last minute to adjust it for the induction related to my health concerns that I had at the end of pregnancy. The things that did go according to my birth plan were really being able to advocate for myself about wanting to have as natural a birth as possible that was really respected by people in the hospital and they didn't try to push medication on me, which I really appreciated in terms of pain medication or epidural. I had a request that there were to be no male medical staff in the room while I was giving birth, and that was respected. I had been told by my doula that they usually bring over a mirror to allow you to see what's happening in that pushing process. I told them I was not interested in that. Unfortunately, the hospital that I went to already practiced some good afterbirth things, such as, you know, skin-to-skin contact, delayed cord clamping, those types of things. I didn't have to worry about putting that in my birth plan as much, although you may want to check with your hospital to see what their policies are on that. My OB had a saying about birth that the only thing predictable about it is the unpredictability about it. With that being said, it's good to have a positive relationship with your provider where you can talk about what you would like what your plans are, and with the understanding that there's some give and take about what's able to happen, what's not able to happen. One of the things that I did not want 
was an IV and that wasn't really a possibility. They said, you know, it's really just hospital policy, even if you're not getting these IV medications, that you still need to have one in just in case of emergencies so that they can get medication in you quickly. However, I knew that going in ahead of time, which was good for me to know. I also communicated on my birth plan that I had negative hospital experiences in the past and wanted this to be a more positive experience. One of the reasons I felt like experience was negative in the past was due to lack of communication. And so I really wanted to make sure that they were communicating everything to me, that they were explaining things to me before they did them. I know that other people I had heard from had had experiences where things just kind of happened or they were given medication without being told about it ahead of time and so forth and so on. So create a plan, but hold on loosely. Pray about it, but also know that God is in control and it's going to be okay. Number three, visualize what you want, not what you don't. Our brain has a way of trying to protect us from danger and negative outcomes. That means that we're going to create all kinds of what-if scenarios in our mind. What if this happens? What if that happens? And when we worry, we're basically visualizing what we don't want to happen right? So we're dwelling upon, okay, and and I had this very negative vision of I go into the hospital, it's some kind of medical emergency happening, people are rushing in there. And so then I was able to kind of talk through with my doula a little bit about what if that did happen? Like, what if there was an emergency? Well, you know, you would deal with it. You would make decisions based on the knowledge that you have and the knowledge you're receiving from the doctors. And you would, you know, go with the flow in that situation. But what if those things don't happen? What if things progress very normally or expectedly? Then you've wasted all of this time with this worry and this negative visualization in your mind. So it's important to be able to Sit and visualize the type of birth that you want, not the birth that you don't want. You want to be able to visualize how you're going to manage the pain and discomfort that comes up from giving birth. For me, one of the things that I really wanted was to be able to have letters from friends and family read to me while I was going through labor. This was actually the most beautiful part of my birth process. Steve did just an amazing job of reaching out to people, talking to various friends and family members and saying, hey, will you write a letter of encouragement for Carrie? Will you write a note? It's so beautiful. Just people that had verses that they shared in their note, people that wrote things like, you know, a funny story maybe that they had experienced. I know several people mentioned in their notes that they would be praying for me and talked about how really conceiving our daughter was such an answer to prayer for Steve and I and how God was going to get me through this process. One thing that happened that Steve didn't know that I did was I created a little book. And in the book, I put scripture verses of encouragement. I put positive birth affirmations. And then after that, I put little post-it 
post-it notes that he had written to me left around the house. This is just kind of something that he does. Husband Award here. He writes just little positive, encouraging things for my day. And so I had kept some of those that meant a lot to me. And during the process when things got difficult, I asked him to read those back to me. And he said, this is very strange. Like I'm reading something that I've written previously to you out loud, but it was just such a good thing. One of the things my doula said was that when Steve would read those notes to me, she just noticed like that my whole body would relax and they were able to kind of see on the monitors and things what my blood pressure was doing. And she just said it it was really healthy and really allowed me to kind of get through the process. Letting go of the what ifs. One of the things that I really loved about the hypnobirthing process was that there were positive affirmations that we listened to every day. It was 40 minutes of positive affirmations. And at first, I was kind of like, okay, this is really cheesy and cheeky because it was someone repeating things over and over like, you deserve to have a wonderful, beautiful birth, you know. And a lot of times, actually, they were in the first person. So I'm trying to think of what some of them were. So they would say things like, you know, my body is healthy enough to give birth. My body knows exactly what it needs to do. One of the sayings in hypnobabies is each birth wave They don't call them contractions. They call them waves, you know, brings me closer to my baby. It's all very focused on the positive. They change some of the wording so that you don't associate birth with pain and negativity. They don't call it labor. They call it birthing time because labor just sounds like it's really hard work. And their whole idea surrounding it is to have a more easy, more comfortable birthing process for the mom. So these positive of affirmations helped so much in, even though in the beginning I thought they were kind of cheesy, they helped so much in being able to shift my mindset and just remind me that my body is prepared to give birth and that that's already hardwired in, just like other bodily responses, like breathing and sweating. It knows what it needs to do. And if we'll just be able to back up and stay out of the way, then we can allow our body to do what it needs to do. But what happens when fear takes over is that we create tension, which then causes us to be in more pain. So the more that you're able to relax through the process, the more your body will just, your muscles will engage and do the things that they need to do. But that fear slows things down and that fear actually constricts you from opening up, which is one thing you need to do, right? Is open up quite a bit. Once you're able to like relax and open and be calm, then things will just kind of flow as they need to flow. It's easier said than done, but the more that you practice and the more that you put those positives in and kind of even they talk about visualizing your cervix opening and dilating, maybe even like visual Visualizing as you're going through the birthing process, visualizing, you know, your baby moving through your body, those types of things. As I was going through different stages, my doula would talk with me about, you know, okay, this is like faith, like she's moving now, like, you know, her head's almost about to be out, just kind of like talking me through that process. Like, this is a good thing. Everything's progressing well. You know, you're doing what you need to do. Number four 
understanding that everyone has anxiety at some level about giving birth. And that's a normal thing. Anxiety is not always bad. And I think we often label it as something that's bad. But one of the things that we talk about on the podcast is that anxiety at some level is informative for us. Anxiety causes us to lean into God more. Anxiety causes us to really seek after God and pushes us to do bigger things than we would normally do on our own. So anxiety in itself is not always bad. Just understanding it is your body and your brain's way of trying to protect you. And when you're able to say back to that, you know what? I am a child of God. I know that he loves me. I know that he cares about me. I know that he is not going to allow something horrible and awful to happen unless it's somehow part of his redemptive plan. So if something goes wrong and something happens to me or my daughter, that God still has a plan for the future and that it's a good plan. And I can move forward in that. That is huge. There were things that I found out about my body, my physical health kind of declined, unfortunately, very rapidly towards the end, right before I gave birth. And that was really hard to deal with. I got diagnosed with something called cholestasis of pregnancy. That's something I heard Michael Phelps's wife, I believe, talk about on a birthing podcast. I think she also had that with some of her pregnancies. With cholestasis, there is a higher rate of stillbirth. And I was already at higher risk of stillbirth for being older. That obviously was hard to hear and was anxiety-provoking There were two things that I clung on to, though. They would always tell me when they did ultrasounds and so forth that my daughter looked healthy, that everything looked okay. They didn't see any issues. And so I thought, okay, this is a good thing. Even if my body isn't reacting well to the pregnancy, my daughter is still okay. The other thing that I held on to was I really felt like God gave me this baby. And I thought, you know, if God has given me this baby as a gift, then I just believe and have faith that he's not going to allow this to end negatively. This is going to have a positive ending to this story. Going back to the positive affirmations for a moment, that experience caused me to really think, what if we as Christians selected some verses about who we are in Christ and listened to those or read those every day. Because I probably did this for, well, at least six weeks that I was in the class. It's a long time. What if we really meditated on some of the scriptures that said that we are loved, that we are a child of God, that we are part of his family? Would that make a difference in how we live our lives? out of that uh, love and acceptance from God. I really think that it would. And I, I challenge you and encourage you, even if you find a scripture or two that encourages you, that challenges you to really meditate on it every day for a while and see if that changes you. Number five, don't get so stuck on the process of pregnancy, giving birth, that you lose sight of the outcome. 
is kind of like a wedding. Weddings are a beautiful thing, but they can be really stressful. There's all this planning that goes into it. And then same thing with giving birth. Something doesn't quite go right. You know, the caterer shows up late. You have a family member that can't find the venue. Whatever the case is, there's always something that doesn't quite go according to plan. But at the end of the day, you're married. This is what I told our wedding photographer when she was shooting some pictures of our wedding. I said, we're very laid back and we understand that regardless of what happens at the end of the day, we're going to be married. Did everything turn out perfectly or as we planned? No, but the outcome was very positive. The outcome was what we were looking for. Apply this same thing to your birth. Visualize yourself holding your baby even if you don't know what they're going to look like. Although I will say those creepy 3D ultrasound photos are pretty accurate if you happen to have any of those. They kept trying to get a picture of Faith's face. I was like, I don't care because I had to have all these ultrasounds at the end because of the coleostasis. I'm like, it it doesn't matter to me. However, I can go back and look and she had those same chubby cheeks on the ultrasound that she had after she came out. So those things are pretty accurate and incredible. Visualize your holding your beautiful baby. That is what you want to be focused on. Don't get so stuck on the process and all the ins and outs of what could happen, couldn't happen. And an understanding like it's hard, I think, to fall in love with someone that you've never met before. You're trying to kind of do this ahead of time. But holding your baby is a great thing. It's almost there's a verse in the Bible that talks about how after you've had a baby, it's almost like you forget the pain of labor. And I think there is some truth to that. When I look back on my process, I don't remember necessarily or tune into the hard things. I remember her coming out and thinking like, oh, wow, like this is over now. I remember Steve reading me those encouraging stories and some of the things that people said. I remember some of the hard things, but they're not attached to pain, if that makes sense. I don't know any other way to describe that. It's like when I look back at the process, I see the whole thing as a positive experience because I was able to birth my daughter. She came out healthy and it was amazing. I will say that anyone who's interested in a more natural or non-epidural birth, that there's something very empowering about going through that process and knowing that you did that. People say that I have a high pain tolerance now or they think it's somehow amazing that I did that. I don't really see it that way myself. I think my pain tolerance probably is higher than it was before, but I more look at it as this was something that I knew I could do and set out to do and wanted to do and had very specific reasons for wanting that and I was able to achieve that. So did my birth story go according to plan? No because towards the very end, my health declined. I was diagnosed with cholestasis. As I explained earlier, had a higher rate of stillbirth. So my OB really encouraged me to deliver at 37 weeks. As I was in the process of going back and forth with talking to Steve about, do we take that recommendation or not? Do we let her mature in there a little bit longer? My blood pressure ended up spiking. And about a week before I gave birth, I ended up 
being diagnosed kind of at the last minute with preeclampsia too. So having those two health conditions, God really gave me peace about the induction, that this was what we were supposed to be doing. There was a lot of prayer that went into that process and honestly a lot of anger towards God because I was so mad that he didn't answer my one prayer that I had kept praying that faith would come in her own time and that that I wouldn't have to be induced. However, it's one of those situations where God gives you what you need, not what you want. So the process of becoming a parent is hard sometimes. Things don't go according to plan. It's a lot of trial and error. You just have to roll with it. But being able to have my daughter the way that I did and the way that things happened and yet she still turned out okay, she still turned out healthy, just really gave me an increased trust in God and an increased confidence that even though things don't go according to my plan, that he has a plan and that he loves me enough to not always give me what I want or what I ask for in prayer. He loves me enough to give me what I need even when I don't don't know that that's what I need at the time. So that was something that God gave to me through my birth process. I think that's helping me as a parent now to just be okay when things are a bit out of my control or faith is crying and I don't know exactly what to do. Okay, maybe we should try this or try that. You know, why is she upset right now? Or I had expected, you know, her to take a nap at this time. Sounds small. And she didn't or so forth. It's just helping me be more go with the flow because of what I went through and how hard that was for me to accept being acceptance of all my plans changing. It's also allowed me, given me the opportunity to be able to live more day to day in a mindful sense of in the moment, teaching myself that I can only deal with the information that I have on the table right now. That was something that happened throughout my pregnancy process. I could only deal with what was in front of me at the time. At first, my levels were elevated, but they weren't at the threshold of cholestasis. I just had severe itching on my hands, on my feet, other areas. Actually, I didn't really have as much itching on my hands, but that's one of the symptoms. I had more so the itching on my feet. I would have to run them under cold water at night in order to be able to just relax enough to sleep. And one of the things that got me through that was a story of hope on one of our very early podcasts where one of my friends had shared a condition that she had during pregnancy that caused her a lot of problems and that that continued even after she gave birth. So when my levels were elevated, I just had to deal with the symptoms, then it crossed the threshold, and then there was new information. There were other things that happened. There were more conversations to be had. Then my blood pressure spiked. I couldn't really deal with how my birth was going to go way back, you know, several weeks before, and really had to make a lot of shifts and a lot of changes to be able to get myself ready, business-wise even, and so forth, to deliver three weeks early. Yet everything was already in place that I needed to have in place. My clients had referrals. I had things ready to go, you know, by that point so that we were ready at that time. 
If there's anything that I could leave you with, it's to know that if you follow some of these steps, it's really going to help you have a more relaxed birth process. It's not going to be 100% relaxed. It's not going to be pain-free, but it's going to be a process that you feel some more greater comfort level that you're going to be able to get through and work through. Something about giving birth, and that's a hard thing, but once you get through it, you're like, wow, well, I got through that hard thing. I can get through other hard things too. Thank you for tuning in to my episode on what younger version of me, and I, when I say younger version, I mean like a year ago, wish that she knew about giving birth. And I hope that it helps somebody else, maybe that's in that station of their life, to hear something positive. And even if you get nothing else out of this, just know that you can have a good birth experience. You can reduce some of your anxiety about having a baby. God is in control. He loves you. And it's all going to be okay. Whatever happens, it's going to become a part of your story. Thank you so much for listening today. I know even before I became pregnant, I've tried to get people on to talk about postpartum anxiety and depression because it's a big thing that happens in society that unfortunately people don't always talk about. I haven't had much luck on getting a guest for that. So if you know somebody that does that kind of work, feel free to have them contact me through the website. I'd love to get that set up as well. The best way to know about what is going on with the podcast is to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or sign up for our email newsletter. You can find us anytime at hopeforanxietyandocd.com. Thanks for tuning in and you'll hear from me in a couple weeks. Hope for Anxiety and OCD is a production of By the Well Counseling. Our show is hosted by me, Carrie Bach, licensed professional counselor in Tennessee. Opinions given by our guests are their own and do not necessarily reflect the views of myself or By the Well Counseling. Our original music is by Brandon Mangroom. Until next time, may you be comforted by God's great love for you.